Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to Season 8 of Headstrong. My name is Louis Strong and I am the host of this podcast. If this is your first time listening to Headstrong, this is a podcast where I sit down with a number of people in the public eye to talk to them about their lives and their careers, but notably I want to talk to them about their vulnerabilities to understand what the word Headstrong means to them. And to me, it means to believe in yourself, to talk about your vulnerabilities, and reinforce your self-worth. Now, joining me on this next episode of Headstrong is comedian Tom Lucy. I met Tom a few years ago now, when he was supporting Jack Whitehall on his national tour. Tom and I had a chat about being a comedian and forging a career in that world as well as imposter syndrome and constantly competing and trying to be the best and how there's no end goal and how you have to work relentlessly as this self-employed comedian. I really hope you enjoy this episode of Headstrong. But first, a quick note from our sponsors, RCK Partners, who specialise in helping UK businesses claim R&D tax relief across the engineering, agricultural and tech space. If you'd like to find out more about RCK Partners and this valuable source of funding for your business, head to rck.partners or just click the link in the podcast description below. Tom, thank you for joining me on Headstrong. How's it going? Very well. Thank you for having me on Headstrong. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. It's been a year and a half in the making. We've done it. (laughs) because we first met at jack's uh uh, stood up tour yes yeah yeah that was that was i mean three years ago yeah oh was it three years ago oh of course lockdown as well it was pre-lockdown yeah oh my word that is a long time ago but now you're doing a a new show yourself up in edinburgh how's that treating you 
It's going well. Yeah, we're we're only um on day what is it day seven of the day six even um of the show, but it's going well. Yeah, it's um there's always a slight adjustment period to getting used to like Edinburgh audiences. They are slightly different to other audiences. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm slowly getting to grips with it and I'm, I'm really pleased with the show as well. So, um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I am enjoying it. When you say kind of change it, do you have to adapt to their kind of inebriated states? Yeah, it's, it's, um, they are a slightly different beast, the Edinburgh fringe crowds. I don't know. I don't really know what it is, but they're just a lot more kind of theatery as an audience. Mm. So, um, they do uh, enjoy the shows, but sometimes they're not quite as as loud as other audiences are when in their kind of <laughs> laughter. Um, so, and also the other thing is that they're watching like multiple shows a day. So, um, and my show is on quite, quite relatively late in the evening. So I think by that point, people can be a bit tired and, you know, um, you kind of have to come on and bring lots of energy with you to try and keep it going. Yeah, definitely. Keep that energy going with them as well. I totally get you. Because I remember coming up a couple of years ago, um, and obviously some people are only there for a short amount of time. Because I texted you saying, is there any accommodation available? You were like, probably not. Um, So it's crazy this year. It's so expensive. And it's just like, you just cram in shows. And then it's just difficult because you've got to get from one location to the next in however long you've got and then you're kind of on your eighth show at 10 o'clock and you're suddenly like oh here we go we've got to change mindset again do you have to change your material so to speak do you ever adapt that on on the night or as you're going are you quite good at that well the material doesn't really change because it's like a show that i've written so the show is the show and i do that every night but but there's quite a lot of kind of interaction with the audience that's obviously Mm. every night so I, I I do like to chat to the crowd and there's a couple of bits in the show where I do like, you know, deliberately chat to the front row or if something weird happens in the room, like like last night, something weird happened. So I had to like stop the show and address it. Um, so, yeah, that, that they're the bits that like keep me interested, because otherwise I'd, I'd just be doing the same thing every night, every night. And yeah. Um, I think you would get quite, uh, it would be difficult to, to keep it interesting for yourself, I think. Um, so the most important question is, is this show, uh, you know, self-named? Melt. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a weird one, the title, because you have to kind of name these shows like a, almost like a year in advance. So by that point, I didn't really know what the show was going to be about, but I wanted just like a funny word as a title. Um, and I thought melt would work because it's kind of funny and, you know, it's like, I think people who are my kind of age would know what that word means and they'd find that funny. And, but it has completely gone over the head of anyone over the age of about 40. I've had, (laughs) I've had so many older people be so confused by that word. And I think they come to the show expecting it to be about something to do with melting or, you know, and they get quite confused. But Some climate change advocate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they think it's like a climate change show, yeah. Um, oh dear. How challenging do you find it to write a show or material in the terms of, as you say, you come up with the idea, the name beforehand, and that's more because of admin perspectives, but then you've got to put together your ideas. Do you do it throughout the year or do you jot ideas down or do you just sit down and write it? What's your method? It takes a really long time, to be honest. It t- it took me like 
at least uh, 10, 11 months to write this one. And it's quite like a gradual process because you write things and then you have to go and test them out at like smaller gigs. And then you just very gradually kind of put together this set that works everywhere. So it's like you write 10 minutes, you go and try that out. Three or four of those minutes might work and six doesn't work. And then you, so it just like over time, you gradually put together an hour of material that you hope works everywhere. Um, And it's kind of just that process of like testing it out in front of lots of different audiences um, and seeing what works really. Um, So yeah, it is a very, it's a very gradual thing to be honest. And then do you thread it all together? Because it's uh, something in the comedian's world of a callback and that's always really I think that's just such a great thing as an audience. I yeah. don't know what I don't know why it's so satisfying as an audience member. It's, weird, isn't it? it's so because <laughs> yeah, there there are a lot of callbacks at the end of my show, and it's I always find it so strange how excited audiences get by callbacks. They really love it. They really love to like hear something they heard forty minutes ago. It's so it's really strange. I don't know. It's like that thought. Brother, oh, I remember that. Yeah, it's, it's like, like it was li- like, literally forty minutes ago, buddy. They, they kind of. Uh, <laughs> They, they feel quite smug that they've remembered something that happened 40 minutes ago. Um, Does a comedian define kind of their material and success on reviews alone, or is it felt by show to show, as you say there sometimes? Um, I mean, pers- personally, I think the, the, the audience's reaction is more important than reviews. Um, it's, it's quite weird, the idea of reviewing comedy, because, you know, you know exactly how well it's gone from the audience's reaction so you know you can have a you know a a really great show with an audience but then you get a negative review and you think well I I, I don't know it's so it's so subjective um and I've experienced it both sides where I've had positive reviews and negative reviews and you kind of have to try and take both of them you you kind of have to not take either of them seriously do you know what I mean you kind of have Mm. to not not listen to positive ones and not listen to negative ones um, because yeah, going because people are either laughing or they're not laughing. So, you know, a, re- a review is kind of a, a weird thing. I think. Did you used to take it personally as in when you read stuff about yourself? Because often and I've found this with myself, you're proud of what you put out. And then if somebody doesn't like it, particularly in the formative days of one's career, you can take take it the wrong way. Yeah, definitely. I I definitely used to get really get really it really would affect me. Like you say, because you kind of you put so much effort into the shows and you really feel like you're kind of bearing your soul a bit. And and then for someone to not like that feels like quite a personal attack. Mm. And it kind of is quite personal as well, because I think when someone doesn't like a comedian, it is it is a relatively personal thing i i think it is like because you're not acting you are being yourself on stage so if someone says they don't like it they're basically saying they don't like you i think um so yeah that is that is quite a tricky thing to sort of deal with i think yeah how do you get your head around that then and then do you just learn to block the noise because as you say sometimes if people make it dis- their mind up about a comedian as you say sometimes it's set in stone and it's difficult to switch that around yeah well there's a weird thing with comedians i don't know if you feel like this but i think when people don't like comedians they really kind of hate them do you know, do you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? 
there's something about it where like the ones that we like we love and the ones that we don't like we kind of really hate and I, and I don't know why it's so binary you know with with actors and musicians I don't think it's that people don't hate actors and hate musicians as much as they do comedians I don't I, don't, I, I really don't know what the answer to that is but that that does feel like that's true um Maybe, maybe it's that thing of if you don't find someone funny, but everyone around you is laughing, it annoys you that they're laughing. Mm. I don't, I don't know what that is, but um, yeah, that it does feel like it's quite an extreme, you know, thing. It's probably not everyone's first choice of career when you think about it, because it's a very difficult industry to break into. How did comedy become kind of a thought process for you at the very, very beginning? When did you think? maybe this is something I would wish to explore because start doing those first stand-up gigs is terrifying. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I did my first gig when I was 16, which is, which is pretty young to be honest. Um, but it was that thing where when you're 16, you don't really fully understand how scary things are. So I actually think it helped that I started at that young because I was a bit naive and a bit kind of unaware of how scary stand-up was I think if I tried to start at the age of 25 it would have been a lot more scary um but yeah I just I was always kind of funny at school I guess that's like a bit of an old cliche but I was a bit of a kind of class clown at school and um I remember people saying to me when I was younger that you know I should try it and I always wanted I was always really obsessed with comedians and um and then I did my first gig when I was 16 and I really loved it. And um, I've never really thought about doing anything else, to be honest. It's kind of been my whole kind of life since then. It's always very difficult as well, establishing yourself at the very start of your career, because whilst you are yourself, you're always sometimes a persona of yourself. So an exaggerated version and you think about some of your favourite comedians. And then obviously when you meet them, they are that person but not yeah. quite that person, yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it's a weird thing, I think, when people meet comedians, like you say, when people meet comedians, it can be a bit of a letdown. And I'm always quite aware of that because when you're on stage, you are this kind of like, you're like the best version of you. You're like mm. every, everything you want to be. You're, you're like the guy like, at the pub who's had two pints. You're like in the merry yeah. already. You're kind of, yeah, you are like, you're kind of how you wish you were the whole time. But then when people meet you off stage and you're a lot quieter and more shy and people cut you literally see in people's faces the disappointment. They're like, oh, that's, you know, he's not what he was on stage. Um, but yeah, there are very few comedians, I would say, that are exactly like they are on stage in normal life. Most people are kind of heightened versions of themselves. And then in real life, they're just kind of quite normal people. Um, who do you think translates directly? What, who's the most similar? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always use, I've done a lot of like uh, work with Michael McIntyre and I think he is probably the best example of someone who is like almost exactly the same in real really? life. Really? And it's kind of mad because he's so, he's so like high energy and kind of just like, just hilarious on stage but he's he's like almost exactly the same in real life which is kind of amazing to be honest um because you can be kind of like in a room with him one-on-one -on -one and he's basically just doing stand-up to you in a room which is kind of uh insane 
Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I have a brief note to talk to you about our podcast sponsor for Season 8, RCK Partners. If you're looking to take advantage of R&D tax credits to boost your business's cash flow, RCK Partners can help you. Simply head to rck.partners or follow the link in the podcast description below. That's rck.partners. So does, obviously it did for you going at school, kind of being funny in front of your friends, but does that always translate to going onto stage? Because there's a kind of a unique set of skills that you have to utilise when you're on there. Because when you strip it back and you actually say to somebody, right, you're going to be the only person with a spotlight and a microphone in front of 400 people. I imagine there's quite a few people that would shiver in their boots. So you've yeah. got to kind of establish your kind of skill set. What do you do to prepare and like what what kind of helps you? Yeah, it's a it's a very different thing to like be funny with a, a load of your friends in a pub than to be funny in front of a load of strangers on a stage. It's like a completely different skill. And I think when you first start, you mistake being funny with your friends for being funny on stage and you you forget the fact that when you're with your friends everybody knows everyone and there's all these kind of in jokes and Mm. you don't have to try very hard with your friends to make them laugh because they know you and you know what they find funny and all of that stuff and then when you start doing stand-up you you realize that all of these people have no idea who you are and you have to like immediately kind of get across who you are and um create some kind of persona that people can get behind so it is a really different skill and and sometimes there are people who are not funny socially but they know they are when you put them on a stage they know how to you know there are plenty of comedians that are really shy and quite quite introverted in real life but they you put them on a stage and they kind of come alive um but i i also found a weird thing where I think when I started doing stand-up, I became a lot more calm in the rest of my life. Um, what, because that was your outlet? Yeah, I suddenly had like a, a somewhere to put all that energy. And I think before I was doing stand-up, I was doing that in social situations and I was probably quite annoying. I would imagine, <laughs> I would imagine when I was like 14, 15, I was quite irritating because I was constantly trying to be funny. Um, but as soon as I started stand-up, I was like, oh, I can just do it here. And I don't need to kind of do this all the time. So I think it was probably quite a good thing for everyone around me. (laughs) And obviously as a comedian as well, it's quite a tight knit community in the sense that you kind of, you stay on the circuit and then you end up getting to know everybody. And that can obviously work wonders because you can help each other out and work, help each other on, on tours and you can support uh, friends but also you see their successes and you see their uh growth as well and of course you want to be happy for them but there's also that jealousy that comes into it does that ever happen yeah yeah of course yeah of course and it's um i would i would imagine it's the same in you know acting and music and any kind of sort of creative job there is a natural element of like competition um which you try really hard to not let yourself get consumed by, but it is, it is difficult. Definitely. Um, but I don't know. I, I think the older I get, the more I realize that you don't some, someone else's success is not, doesn't take away from your success. Does that make sense? I, I think mm. 
once you kind of realize that there isn't like a, a a finite amount of success and if someone else gets it then there's less chance of you getting it you know i think once you kind of try to realize that i think it becomes easier but um i think when you first start and everyone's on the same level and then a couple of people start getting you know they start moving up and they start appearing on tv or whatever it can be tricky not to feel like you're doing something wrong because that's not happening to you but um yeah i don't know i think you just have to kind of like try and not not pay too much attention to what other people are doing and i know that's really easy to say and mm. all of that stuff but i think it's really important because you can easily become quite kind of competitive and bitter and um ang- angry you do see you do see that with people who are slightly older and they've turned it into a lot of anger um i don't know you kind of have to be aware of that you know when it's it's like with acting and with any as you say form of creative industry there's always that aspect of the rejection as well and quite often and again at the beginning of one's career it comes in you know thick and fast how do you kind of deal with rejection do you have you got better with it as time goes along? Do you always think, you know, something's going to come? Yeah. Yeah, you do get you do get better with it, I think. And I think also as a comedian, you're quite used to rejection because you go on stage pretty regularly and say things that don't get a laugh. You know, you kind of have to get used to that because when you're writing new material, quite a big part of the process of writing is trying stuff and it not working, you know? So you kind of have to get used to failing quite fairly regularly, um, which I think does set you up in quite a good position to deal with rejection in other aspects. Um, and uh, yeah, it's I I don't know. It's I think it. I don't think that ever really goes away. I think whatever level you are in the industry, even if you're someone like we were talking about, you know, Jack Whitehall earlier even someone like him who's kind of at the top of the ladder, he'll still be dealing with rejection all the time. There'll still be things that he wants to do that he's not getting. Um, So I I never think that really goes away. You just have to sort of find a way of coping with it. Um, What about looking at, you know, let's say when you're doing stood up, and I'm not saying you did experience this, but, you know, you're going out there in front of 15,000 people. Do you ever go, why is it me here? Do you ever get that imposter syndrome when you're like, how I managed to find this when, you know, you think about other people on the the, the smaller circuits and you go, geez, but he was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I, I do suffer from that kind of imposter syndrome. And I think most people do. I think the people I know who don't suffer from that are, are probably <laughs> psychopaths. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think you need a bit of that imposter syndrome because it, it's also what like drives you to be better. I think that, that, that worrying that what you're doing is not good enough. Um, but yeah, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to that stuff. That's kind of luck that, you know, that I got offered that tour and there were, there were plenty of people that would have been just as good as, as me at doing that but that's kind of the element of luck that you need um, in this industry. You, you know, you do need a bit of luck as well. Oh yeah. Well, exactly. In any, any form of industry like that as well, but you were a good fit as well. A good mold. Do you know what I mean? You couldn't have had, you know, it'd be, it'd be a strange, cause you've got to tailor to the, what the audience is technically paying for as the headline. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I think it worked really well on those tours. And um, and I've supported a few people on tour and they've always been a good fit for me. Because um, like you say, you have to be, if you've got a supporting act on tour, it has to be someone who's relatively similar to who the headline act is. Otherwise, the audience are not going to get behind it. Um, you know, you, you, can't, you couldn't have like a really mainstream act like Jack and then a really bizarre alternative act opening up for him i think it would it would jar a bit with the audience um so yeah that that is true yeah what about switching off then because you are self-employed as a comedian and you know you've all you're probably always thinking when's the next thing coming i know at edinburgh it's the month long and it, it's a to be honest your stamina is gonna have to be good tom i'm not gonna lie to you yeah, yeah. but uh, you know how do you switch off what do you do to kind of forget about you know, actually being a comedian for a bit. Um, it's, it's tricky. Yeah, it is tricky. Uh, and anyone who's self-employed, I think you, you, you do worry about not working. And even when you're having any kind of holiday, you, there's, you feel a little bit guilty about doing it, but I've definitely got better as I've got older at taking breaks. I think, I think up until the age of about 23, 22, 23, I never really would have any breaks. I would just keep working. And, work would get offered and I would always say yes to it and I would just keep working. But recently I've got a lot better at saying no to things I don't actually want to do and kind of f forcing myself to take breaks. So I'll like block out time in my diary where I'm going, right, I'm not going to work for this amount of time. And I think it's really, I think it's really important. I think it is not only important for like yourself, but also I think it makes you better as well to, take breaks from it because you come back and you're a bit more refreshed and and you also you need to like have a normal life to do to do this you need to like experience normal things and go on holiday with your friends and spend time with your girlfriend or whatever you need to just like live a normal life in order yeah, to like and a lot of your material as well can come off things you experience and observe otherwise where else are you getting your material yeah, exactly. You need to be doing stuff in order to talk about things. So as I've got older, I've, I've really realized that that is as important as working. Um, so I think I'm much better at that now, you know? Because there is no finish line as a comedian, you're constantly striving for the next thing, the next big thing. You do live at the Apollo, then you go, well, what's next now? What can I continue to achieve? How do you envision the future as a comedian then? What are, what are your kind of step-by-step -step goals? I mean, it's such, such a hard question to answer because like you say, there isn't really an end game. You never really get to a place where you're like, oh, okay, I've made it now. Yeah, because I imagine Mike, even Michael McIntyre, having done his show, he's probably yeah. thinking, well, what can I do now though? Exactly. And, and I've spent time with people like him and Jack and all these people who you would look at and go, oh, well, they've made it, you know? But, mm. but they're not they're not walking around thinking I've made it. Um, they're, like you say, they're walking around thinking, oh, what can I do next? You know, I've just I've just done the O2. Now I need to do it again in two years time or <laughs> it's it never that never really ends that that kind of um, that that looking for something else. So I think the truth is, I just want to keep doing it for as long as I can and getting better. I think as long as you're getting better. The, all of that other stuff will hopefully kind of just sort itself out. Um, I think as long as you just try and focus on getting better, hopefully everything else will be fine. Um, but 
yeah i suppose it's it's quite a nice thing really that there isn't like an end it's the same with acting isn't it you uh, that you know you're always just trying to like work and be employed i think yeah i think <laughs> yeah that's a goal yeah yeah it's but 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 it doesn't matter who you are you're everyone's just trying to work and do stuff they find fulfilling and they enjoy and um, what about kind of exploring your other avenues because you did the podcast as well yeah which is always great and it's another thing to do but do you it's like is it kind of another thing to keep busy as someone who's self-employed or are you or do you think you're passionate in projects like that do you know what i, I mean to, um i would like to do other stuff and you know i'm I've, i would like to do bits of writing and um I, I'm not massively interested in acting, to be honest. That people always assume that comedians want to be actors, and quite often comedians get offered acting parts because they assume that you 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 can do it. But I've never really been that interested in acting, really. Um, but but I would like to do other things like writing, and you know, there's bits of podcasting, and I think it all just helps you to enjoy what you mainly do more if you've got other things on the side that are kind of keeping you going um and then when you come back to stand up you're like oh yeah this is you know i feel really comfortable i know what i'm doing here um yeah Where your passion lies i suppose yeah i guess so and it's also it's so stand up is so kind of straightforward in a way because yeah. it's, it's literally just you you don't have to sort of run anything by anyone or it's it's so easy and when you start doing other things like acting and working on tv shows and things you realize that everything else is so much more complicated because there's so many people involved and stand-up is just so easy i think that's what you kind of realize hey man i really enjoyed this but with good luck with edinburgh and the rest of the show do you ever feel like though when you're have you have you done it a full run before yeah, I've done a couple of full runs. I mean, not not for the last four years. The last time I was here was 2018, so quite a long time ago. Um, but yeah, I have done a couple of full runs before, and it is it is pretty it's pretty intense. Have you gone hard at the beginning, or are you are you pretty sensible now in terms of how you approach things? No, I think I know a bit more now how to do it. Yeah, um, likewise. I, I'm a lot more calm now. When I when I when I came when I was much younger, I I think I. I did go a bit more crazy and then you realize that that's just not sustainable. Um, so now I feel like I'm, I've got it kind of down. I basically just tried to recreate my life in London. Uh, anything um, too different, to be honest. Very nice. Well, the final question that I ask every guest is what does the word headstrong mean to you? Headstrong. Um, I think, I think it means uh, passionate. I would say. Um, I think that's the most important thing, isn't it? In any if, in any kind of creative industry, is just having being passionate about it. Because I think if you're passionate enough about it, you'll 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 eventually get there. If you if you you know if you want it enough and you work hard enough for it, you know. I think I think I think you'll get there, and that's certainly been my experience. That's really nice. I mean, it's been really, really interesting being so insightful into the uh, the mind of a young comedian. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, best of luck with Melt. You melt. Uh, yeah. And I hope it goes really, really well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ooh.
And that's it for this episode of Headstrong in Season 8. A massive, massive thank you to Tom for taking some time during Edinburgh, a massively busy month, to talk to me about his mental well-being and the life of a comedian. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe. Episodes will be released every Monday and we're not even halfway through the series yet. If you have also enjoyed it, please do leave a rating and a review. Every little helps. I will see you next week on Headstrong. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.